Welcome to the Voice of Seven Thunders, a production of the Gospel Trumpet Publishing Company. We are your hosts. I'm Brother Ernest Binion Jr. here with Brother Stephen Hargrave, Apostles of the Church of God. On today's episode, we're going to be continuing our series on an overview of the book of Revelation. And unlike many studies that are done where the commentator will work through the text verse by verse, starting with chapter 1, working their way through verse 22, we're taking a very different approach, and we feel like a very necessary approach, because to to understand all that's in the book of Revelation really is a lifetime of labors. Even the things that we're presenting in this series are not all our own. In the words of Sir Isaac Newton, if we have seen further, it's because we stood on the shoulders of giants, men like the late apostle Brother Daniel Lane, his predecessor and forefather, um, Brother Daniel Warner, others like John Wesley, and I'm working my way back through history here, Menno Simons, men like Savonarola. We realize that we have them to have been helpers to us. They've been teachers for us. And so in our approach here, we just simply want to lay a foundation for your understanding. What we're hoping is you'll take good notes, you'll rewind, you'll review, you'll recall, and you'll work back through this information like the Bereans of old. If you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Send those to editor at thegospeltrumpet.com. Again, send questions or comments to editor at thegospeltrumpet.com. Our burden here is to give you a deeper understanding and hopefully excite a deep desire to know the things that are contained in the book of Revelation, which is probably the most misunderstood book of the Bible. Today's episode, we'd like to talk about John wept much. Actually, the words he says is, I wept much. We're talking about John, uh, excuse me, Revelation, John speaking, Revelation chapter number five, verse four, we'll take as our primary text for continuing to lay down the foundation of what we want to cover this uh, episode. So Brother Steve, why don't you get us going and throughout this, this there'll be interjections, so stay with us. If we get a little fast, which we'll have some fun mm. doing this episode, mm-hmm. um, that's what the pause button is for. <laughs> Make Amen. good use of it. Amen. All right. All right. Thank the Lord. So after the revelation of the throne in Revelation chapter number four, we are brought further into the vision and actually brought deeper into the vision of the throne to be able to see something of vital importance to mankind as part of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so beginning in this section, we would like to begin with chapter 5, and we will read the first four verses, and then we'll jump right into it. So again, the revelation of the throne has been given, and then we're brought deeper into more of an understanding, more of depths of understanding of what the revelation of the throne means and what visions and what things are there for us. So if you could read, brother, verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a yes. book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Very good. So we've dealt with that some. This is a complete sealed book. So seven, the number of completeness and perfection, once again, referring back to what we've already done. And so we see in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. I'll say something real quickly before we continue reading. The right hand is... Generally speaking, it's the strong hand. Everyone understands that. 
So someone says, well, what, does God have a hand? Where's his right hand? It's just simply, again, symbolic language expressing that there's something within the power of God and exp expresses it to us as a hand. There's something within the power of God and only God, and I'm recognizing that it's a book written, and I see that there's writing there. I see that the writing is within and without, and I see that it's sealed up, but it's only in the power of God. All right, read verse 2, please. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, mm -hmm. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? All right, read, please. And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book neither to look thereon. Now this is tremendous. This is tremendous what he's saying here because he sees something locked away in God. See something that's in the power of God and you feel with John, now this is not just a, again, a verse by verse or a theological um, explanation or what have you trying to just make this some kind of boring study where we just go through, but there's a feeling to this. Like there's a feeling that John has and John gets the sense or the urgency understanding that there's something there, it's in the power of God, it's sealed up, and he has a sense of urgency that this is something that needs to be known. Now, he doesn't tell us that. He doesn't just say the words, I see that there's something that needs to be known here. But you see that there's an angel that's proclaiming that there's who's worthy, who can, who can take this book. And then the cry comes back, no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was Serious. able to open the book, neither to look thereon. So uh, the, the implication of the desire or the necessity of mankind to look on this book is very apparent. He says no man is worthy. Now, brother, there have been some worthy men yes, sir. in the world. <laughs> yes, sir. So there have been, at this point, this is the Apostle John, the last, again, the last of the living original 12 apostles writing this. There's and more than 12 apostles in the Bible. There are more than 12. There's more than 13. There's more than 13. He's the last of the original 12. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that he, he's expressing a desire here saying to us, no man is able to do it, to open the book. Not Elias, not any of the prophets, not Moses, not Abraham, brother, not Abel. So that is quite a statement when he says no man can open this book or even look at it. No man can open up, look at it, read it, interpret it. And the sense is that I would desire, there's a need, not just for John himself, but a need for all humanity. So mm -hmm. can you read the last verse four that we'll read right now? And I wept much. Yes. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Seems like Jeremiah says, the prophet Jeremiah says in one place, brother, oh, that my head were as waters. Mm -hmm. Okay that I could weep day and night for the, uh, for my people. And that's my, I'm saying that off the top of my head, but it says something very similar to that. Here, John says, I wept much and gives the specific reason. And the reason I wept is because there was no man that was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Mm -hmm. And so John here standing in a vision, basically, brother, his weeping is not nearly only for himself. Right. It is for himself. There's no question about that. He's looking on. He's involved in the vision. He sees what's happening. So certainly he is touched, touched enough personally to weep, and it definitely personally affects him. But his weeping here is a representation of a larger body of weeping, yes, a sir. larger body of just his own person. And really, that's the Christian 
That's really a Christian principle, that our actions and our desires don't just include us. We're not just independent people doing our own thing, That's right. but that it includes everyone. There's, there's a link together of all humanity that connects us all. And so John is essentially weeping for all humanity. How can you say that? Because there's a sense in which, this is, this is where we need to understand this, and this is part of the overview, but the audience needs to understand this. There is a sense in which all of humanity has desired to see what is in the hand, the right hand of the one that's on the throne. Even if they didn't know that, they may not have known about this throne or even believed in it. Right. Okay. It, the, the thing about the truth is it doesn't even matter what you believe. What you believe doesn't change the truth. And so right. there, are, there right. are people in the world, there are people in the world that want to know what's in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And just because they don't know that they can explain it that way, I want to know what's in the right hand. Yet there's a longing inside of humanity because God created them. There's a longing inside of humanity saying, I need to understand. I need to know. There are questions that I have. I'll refer back to our first episode in this study. There are questions in the world, Brother Binion, that need to be answered. Yes, sir. There are reconciliations. There are things that don't even make sense to people that they're desiring to know. And that goes not just from uh, the people, the lost people that are out there. That goes from church people. There are some church people, quote-unquote church people, Christian people, that go to church and do things, brother, that they don't even really understand why they're doing it. They have a sense of it being right, or they have been taught that it's right, but they don't even really know, and there's something inside of them that wants to know the truth. I want the questions answered. Back to the first podcast. What is all this oppression about? Why is murder allowed? If there's a God, why is he allowing these things to happen? Where has he been all this time? And so John is, is weeping at the understanding that there's something that humanity needs to know but can't know. I think that, brother, we should add there, uh, let, me, let me give some more questions if Please. I could, because I think, that this, I think it's important to state that John is not talking about the human curiosity that we have. That's very good. It's not dealing with that mm-hmm. portion of, I would have, I, I want to know what's in the right hand. Mm-hmm. It's beyond, this is this is way bigger than, oh, I'm a person, I'm curious, I want to know. Sure, what is that? It's more than that. This is the, 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 the um, internal, the, the, okay, Paul talks about the, the inward man. Mm-hmm. This is that inward man that's always crying out, that has asked questions like, when we see the fruit of life, when we see the fruit of what's happening, it makes us say, well, wait a minute, that didn't work out. That's not right. And I want to give a pertinent example. The entire non, what's called the non-denominational church movement came out of the failure of the Protestant movements of of the 16th century Reformation. Of course. So we have all of these groups of people rising up, in which we're good people. That's mm-hmm. a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. The good people aren't the problem, but you see good people. Part- it's difficult because, right. but they're good people in a bad context. Right, and that makes an issue. And that it's, creates it, an it issue. It makes confusion. It creates a question in sure. our mind. Sure. How do we divide, how do we, scripture language, rightly divide mm-hmm. Protestantism? So 
the non-denomination, we, we see, wait a minute, we can't all be Christians, and that's largely the work of and the message of Brother Daniel Warner. Mm-hmm. He's not in the school, public school's history books, but right. he was actually uh, one of God's specially chosen men to show the error of sectism or being divided into denominations. Yes. So you have this whole movement. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give something more relevant. Mm-hmm. You have this whole movement that comes out of, well, we can't be divided like this, so I'm just not going to have a denominational name at all. Mm-hmm. And we'll be Life Church or we'll be um, Corner Church or mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever name they come up with, which is a part of the pining question. Mm-hmm. So you talked about church people and you corrected yourself by saying so-called. Sure. Okay, that, the idea of, do I go to church? Am I a part of the church? Mm-hmm. Can I have church membership? That has everything to do with this question Absolutely. that's in the heart of man that says, I've got to get connected to God. How do I do it? And where do I start? Look at the confusion that's in the world. That's right. So the question here, and the reason we have to do this, again, we're talking about, let me go back. We said audacity. Right, we said audacity yes. that this book, this particular chapter, this um, particular book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. particularly has the pro- proclamation of having the truth and the solution or the answer okay. to every question. Now, allow me to interrupt, please, real quickly. It has the answer to every question, and there is. This is an, again the reason why John is weeping because there's an awareness in John yes, that every single thing that humanity, not just me, right, it is him because he's part of the body of humanity. Yes. But every single thing that humanity needs to understand is locked away in that book, and nobody can give it to me. And we need to highlight. This is not the Bible John's looking at. Brother, okay, now, that, that's, that's important. This is not the, he's the seven seals, the seven sealed book okay. that we just read about. Yes. Chapter 5, verse 1, mm-hmm. written within and on the back side. Mm-hmm. It's not the Bible. Okay, now that actually is good news. Now, some Christians, we're just shocked, some Christians. But, but <laughs> if, if they be honest, they, they didn't know what it was. Like, it just, it just seems appropriate to say it's the Bible, I'm reading the Bible, and I understand that. It makes perfect sense to come to that conclusion. However, it's actually better that it's not the Bible. Right. Why? Because, well, the fact is that it's not, so we're not just making up the story, but because there are people that the Bible will not reach them because they don't believe it. Right. They wouldn't even look at the Bible as something to long for or right. to desire, right. or they wouldn't open these pages. We say, well, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, you tell, you tell a Buddhist that, and he might say, you know, you're welcome to that opinion, but it has no bearing whatsoever right. on me. Right. And so this so is... This, the, the audacity of this The audacity of this book, thing, yes, brother. Is that it reaches to the Buddhist. Yes, it reaches to the Buddhist because... Because I'm not, I'm not just talking about the Bible. The Bible's wonderful. We're not discounting that, of That's course. Right, of course, it's a Bible study. But I'm not just talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the relevant questions of all mankind and even answering the question of how you got to the belief you got to, even though you may not be a Christian, you may not be a Buddhist, you may not be a Hindu, but it answers the relevant questions of humanity. How did you even come to the belief that you're at? Yes. Brother, yes. It's, tr- it's tremendous. Yes. And so John realizes, you say, all that's in there? Yes. And we'll, yes. we'll understand. And, we'll and that's it. why he weeps, because he that's not the Bible he's oh, looking at. Oh, brother, it's not the Bible. But in, in the same way that the Christian would hold to the 
importance and the impact mm-hmm. of the Bible. Yes. John was doing that for this right here. That's right. What he saw because he knew, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking of Daniel. You're probably going to get there. Yes, brother. Uh, can I just... Brother, I wish you'd do it. Let me, let me read Daniel. Yes, go. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Chapter 12. Chapter 12. Is it 12? Okay. Verse 9. 12, verse 9. Thank you. I think that's right. I wanted to say 9, but you're all right. Verse 8, right. and I heard, so the angel is, is presenting Daniel with something, and Daniel says, and I heard, mm-hmm. but I understood not. Yes, sir. Then said I, so this is, the, this is, a, this is a parallel picture mm-hmm. uh, of John. John mm-hmm. sees, yes. and he wants to understand, mm-hmm. because John's connected to humanity. John is, is, is burdened for humanity. That's right. Apostle Paul said, weep with them that weep. Yes, sir. Okay, so he says, then I then said I, oh my lord. Now you can't read it like okay. You can't sometimes. I think we read too. You know, we say, oh my lord, yeah, it like it's monotone in yeah, our head. Work. Work. But Daniel was saying, oh my lord. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> what shall be the end of these things? Yes, sir. And that's that's the burden when John is weeping. He's looking at the solution. Yes, he knows. In the hand is the answer. Yes. But it's closed. And nobody can open this thing. There's nobody worthy. Yes, brother. And doesn't it go back to even what Peter was saying? We keep referring back to it, but it's necessary. It's actually necessary. Okay. Uh, First Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 12. We won't need, need to turn there. We've referred to that in several of the episodes. But it's necessary to go back there. Peter saying, the prophets of old, searching what <laughs> or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. What time is it? What are the answers? When is this going to take place? And so you see, this book, though it's in the hand, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. His day begins officially as he's born in a manger. We spoke about the gospel day. In the gospel day. Okay, in the the gospel day. The morning of the gospel day. And so in the morning of the gospel day, the morning is the beginning, his day begins, and this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. But in that revelation, we, we must, again, we repeat ourselves, go all the way back into the Old Testament and discover how the Spirit of God was working in men. And that way, all of man's history is reconciled. So when John's looking at this book, he realizes, though we're in the New Testament time, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, and he's in the very distant dispensation of the gospel day, the New Testament time, yet it reaches back in reconciling all time from the beginning of time. And he understands, look, this is the answer to every single question that could be asked. Now, I wanted to, I wanted to go to a, to a scripture that's important in Matthew chapter 13. You say, brother, you brethren spent a lot of time on that just why he was weeping. Well, we're going to spend some more time on it. It's very important. Yes, sir. Somebody says, well, brother, if you just go through the verses and get to what we're we going need. to get there. OK, the only thing <laughs> is, brother, we actually have been going through the verses, but it's very necessary to go through them with the understanding of what you're actually going through so that uh, I'll give you an example. What we've gone through so far, and we're going to read Matthew 13, what we've gone through so far has debunked I don't know how many false theories about what the Revelation is saying. That's right. And we've not just really attacked so much directly quoting, going into the origin of these false teachings. But if you just understand, the reason why we're doing it this way is because if you just simply understand how to approach the book of Revelation, it completely knocks away. We're actually false, providing false you with spiritual context. Exactly. And, and there, you know, we talked about Oriental writing versus Occidental writing. Mm-hmm. I want to say this. Oriental writing is not without rules. That's correct. 
That's it's correct. not just because it's symbolic language, just because the responsibility of the understanding falls on the hearer or the receiver, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they are free to just interpret it any old way. There mm-hmm. is an interpretation. You and I were talking off the air about pictures. I was thinking about the artist George Surratt. Of, I think I forget the name of the artist called Sunday at the Park or something like that. Many of you who are art enthusiasts would know what I'm talking about. He invented a form of impressionism that was kind of new. He kind of yes. pioneered it. And it was basically this kind of dot type mm-hmm. painting. Well, in the impression, if you look at it, you don't notice that. Mm-hmm. And you're encouraged. I went, I went to the Chicago Museum of Art and looked at this. When you walk up to it and you get too close to it, I should say too close. When you get close enough to see the actual individual marks, mm-hmm. there's absolutely no picture there. You just you just see you dots. see dots. It actually looks messy. It actually looks like how could somebody be could famous be off of, of this exactly? Right. But when you back up at a proper distance, mm-hmm. okay, I'm talking about rules of mm-hmm. I'm talking about context of understanding. Then the entire picture comes into view. Mm-hmm. Many people miss that there's a lady who has on a leash, a monkey. Mm. because of everything okay you have to have a proper perspective if you go Mm -hmm. too far you lose detail okay what am I saying what I'm saying is as we have in our approach of not yet and we're going to Mm -hmm. but not yet dealing with the verse by verse end time prophecies Mm -hmm. what's the sign of Jesus is coming Mm -hmm. what is the battle of Armageddon what's that dragon what's the beast before we get into all of those things and you have to know it we want you to know it but if you have improper context there are Mm -hmm. rules to oriental understanding you can be too close Mm -hmm. you can be too far away Mm -hmm. and what we're trying to do is position you that's right by following us so you can be tempted to pick up in the middle of a of one of these episodes and say i'll just start right here no 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 no. if you do that if you if you do that go back you'll find yourself (laughs) fighting against us instead of working (laughs) with us what we want you to do is go through this episode by episode we're doing it this Mm -hmm. way on purpose because we gotta okay let me back up and say this. I didn't know a thing about art. I work in my temporal job. I have a, a boss who's into art. Mm-hmm. He showed me some things about how you are supposed to deal with art, mm-hmm. like, like paintings and drawings. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever taught me that. Now art is a whole new world to me. Right. Because I've learned there's a way to approach art. I was the kind of person, I'm totally, I'm Generation X. We're the skeptical generation. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking at abstract, excuse me, abstract art, and I'm saying... I could do that. No, I can't right, really right. do that. <laughs> but sometimes it'd be, you know, three right. lines on a canvas. I think, right. how did they make it into the mm-hmm. Met? Right. Right? Yes. Okay. So um, what we're doing for you is we're teaching you, we're training you, we're preparing you, mm-hmm. we're contextualizing for you mm-hmm. so that when, you, when you're tempted to say, why are we stuck on Revelation 5 verse 4? Mm-hmm. I want to know about Armageddon. You need to know this in order to understand Armageddon. Exactly. And, and we'll go farther and say, once you understand what we've gone through, you do understand yes, Armageddon. Yes, sir. And it'll be apparent when the pieces come together for you. Say, I don't understand it. No, it'll be apparent. You have the pieces in place that you need to comprehend what's being said. And you also have the pieces in place to, to cast off falsehood and not be in danger right. of being deceived. So our method, there is absolute method to this madness. Mm-hmm. We've actually carefully, surgically removed a lot of false things that are 
that are in the atmosphere from your context Mm -hmm. so that you can understand the scriptures properly. Absolutely. The mind has to be opened up in such a way to comprehend it. It's like I gave, I like your example, and I'll give one more real quickly. It's like when someone gets a new car, even if it's a used car, it's new to them. They get a new car, they get in the car, they like the car, they're happy, so they're driving down the street. And and as they're driving down the street, suddenly. suddenly this world is opened up to them and they say, oh, they've got one. Oh, they've got one too. They've got, I see my same car. I see the same color. And it's just that your mind is now in, you've entered into this world that was always there. That's right. But your mind was not open to the possibility of seeing it. And you start realizing, look, these things are everywhere. And it's very similar to, uh, to the revelation. Once your mind is open up to what really is there, it's very difficult to even comprehend how you did not see such a thing being there. Back to your, (laughs) back to your work of art. So in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has just spoken regarding parables and he has explained to his disciples why he speaks in parables, telling them about the mysteries of the kingdom of God and that the parables are given uh, to expound on the mysteries and so that the people that would be righteous enough to dig, to know, to search would be able to find those things. Verse 16, read that. Please. But blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your eyes. For they see. Your eyes see. And your ears. Listen. For they hear. They hear. All right, go ahead. For verily I say unto you Mm -hmm. that many prophets Mm -hmm. and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see Mm -hmm. and have not seen them. Yes. And to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. This is excellent. This provides for us an understanding of number one, again, the desire of those in the past to have seen and heard the things that they so longed after to have the questions answered. And also number two, Jesus is speaking here and Jesus is the lamb. We'll move, we'll move past that right now. And we also see that he begins to open up to the understanding of those that are there. That's right. That I'm telling you some things that everybody wouldn't know. So John, at this point, back in the Revelation chapter 5, John, at the point that he sees it, is just completely closed and there's nobody found that's, that's worthy right. to open it. I do need us to go to the uh, book of Romans, and we'll get back to that. We're leaving, we're opening up things and dropping them, leaving, coming back. Just stay with us. Romans chapter 8. And here we'll find something very interesting. We won't just expound on the entire the entire passage. But in Romans 8, Romans 8, pardon me, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Excellent, excellent writing. The Apostle Paul writing to the Romans. And so, obviously, there's sufferings of that time, of that present time. They're not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. There is a consummate glory or an ultimate glory that we find in the end of time in heaven. But there also is in this earth a moving from glory to glory as we get to the consummate glory. Is that making sense? That's right. For 19, the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. So uh, we'll keep reading verse 20 and get back into it. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. And this, the Apostle Paul, is just simply verse 21. Let's read 21. 
because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So the Apostle Paul is speaking about the Gentile world, the creature, he calls it the creature, but it's just the creation of God who is waiting for the manifestation. And that word manifestation is the same word as revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there's an earnest or there is a fervent expectation of the creation. When he says the creature, he's talking about the creation, the heathen world, all of creation. There's an expectation in them that they want, even if they don't know it, they want to see the revelation of the sons of God. I want to see things reconciled in this world. I want to see the plan of God in action. And really, that's what some people that don't believe, that's exactly what they say. Look, if you could just show me the plan of God in action, I might believe. But I can't believe all this uh, light, airy, religious, whatever kind of mean-spirited thing. And so there's a desire, there's a craving within all of God's creature earth Mm -hmm. for the manifestation of the sons of God. Again, an ultimate manifestation of what we shall be, but also a manifestation of what we'll be as we develop from glory, glory to, to glory, glory. Mm-hmm. in this world. That's right. Okay. Unto the consummate, unto the consummate manifestation of the sons of God. Verse number 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth mm-hmm. and travaileth in pain, in pain together. together until now. Everyone is groaning and travailing in pain together until now. Now, we are connected by hu- in humanity. Not one is above another. Black is not better than white, etc. This racist, this false racist agenda, which we will get into where that comes from in the Revelation. We'll get into that in other questions is full of nothingness and emptiness because there is a travailing and a groaning together, a whole human cry of the whole body of humanity, which groans and travails together in pain until now, Paul says, and not only they, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Not just the Gentile world, but everyone together, including the saints, saints and sinners groaning together. We groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. And again, that happens ultimately at the consummation when the Lord Jesus Christ will come back, judging us, taking uh, those that have been faithful to heaven. But also there is a waiting for the uh, a redemption of sorts, a reconciliation of, sh- of sorts in going from glory to glory. That's right. In this world, there is a waiting of, hu- of the body of humanity. Answer these questions for me. What is the problem? What is the right thing? What is the wrong thing? How did we come to this place. Reconcile history for me. There's a collective groaning of humanity to balance the checkbook, to reconcile the record. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking to going forward into the consummate, uh, the consummate reconciliation and redemption. And that's what John is saying in the book of Revelation chapter number five, when he sees that there is a question to be answered and a desire for all humanity. And that's why he's weeping. That's exactly why he's weeping. We might also add, and this is why God gave to John the book of Revelation. Yes, yes, absolutely. Not diminishing in any way because we need the entire body of the text of the scriptures. Yes. But there's a special place, there's a special audacity That's right. that God is attempting to provide this, this, um, this, this salve to this pining wound mm-hmm. that is inside of the heart of humanity. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I couldn't help but think, Brother Steve, as you were going, I thought Jesus said after he gave the parables in Matthew 13. Yes. I asked to our audience, have you understood all these things? (laughs) (laughs) But they said, yes, yes, we we got it. (laughs) Have you understood all these things? This is what we're trying to get to you. So it's it's actually very good. So the the whole point, if we can if we can do a review for this portion, and I think we're going to have a secondary portion. Okay, but the entire point of all this is that there is something locked away in God that manifestly answers every question that needs to. Uh, be answered. It reconciles history. It is basically the voice of all the oppressed that have been suppressed and the explanation of how the oppression has been there and the explanation of everything that we need to reconcile in this earth. And I want to tell you something else too. I need to say this, that as we understand, as we open up this book of Revelation, this very book of Revelation will cause people to come together. Yes. That believe in Jesus Christ. That's right. This very book of Revelation will cause people to come together because once you once you begin to reconcile history and reconcile events and, and put people in places where they go and understand how the oppression came right. and understand right. what was covered up and uncover yes, what brother. was covered and, and put down what was risen up. Once you start doing that... You start and taking you, barriers down. You oh, start brother, taking walls you down. You start, start taking, taking down fears everything. away. You start, you start healing insecurities. Absolutely. You start healing wounds. And people are restored to their proper places. Brother, Families are, are, are restored. Children are restored. Broken bodies are healed. Whole communities are brought together. Absolutely. Whole um, um, generational problems mm-hmm. and 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 thousands of years of yes, historical brother. curse in groups of people are yes. swept away, brother. Swept away by this understanding. Exactly. This understanding provides the answer. It's not just somebody trying to be good, but I turn to goodness from God. Because God has revealed to me where this problem came from. And believing in that causes us to come together. And so, again, this is the reason why John, this is the reason why John was weeping much. And I'll say, uh, too, in closing this portion, that John was not just weeping for the body of humanity from time past all the way through. But again, John was the last of the 12 original apostles, original apostles. And he was living... And he also understood that there's going that he's going to die. He's going to go off the scene. And there'll be a whole history that continues on in the New Testament time. And he was weeping for himself and really, brother, for us. That's right. And for our listeners. That they would be able to have open to them the understanding that before only is locked in God, but nobody was able to find it. And again, that's why that's right. nobody was able to open it, to take the book, to look on it. And that's why he was weeping. Very important. All right, we covered a lot, so I think we're going to take, cut this short, mm-hmm. not short, but cut this here. We'll do a second part yes. and continue on in our episodes here that we're doing in this podcast of the overview of the Revelation. So you've been listening to The Voice of Seven Thunders, a production of the Gospel Trumpet Publishing Company. We really do want to hear from you if you have questions. Perhaps, Brother Steve, we could even do a segment just on answering questions that we receive from from our audience. We'd love to answer those questions together with you. Send those to editor at thegospeltrumpet.com. Again, editor at thegospeltrumpet.com. To hear more of our content, life-changing preaching, anointed singing, you can find that at our website at www.churchofgod.com. 
We've been your host. I'm Brother Ernest Binion Jr. With me here, Brother Stephen Hargrave, Apostles of the Lord. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you.